What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 133 of the Lukewarm Games Podcast, your source for unique perspectives on all things video games and pop culture. As always, I'm your host, Luke Lewis, and I'm once again joined by my PAX partner in crime, Claire Helmberger. Luke! We did PAX! We did. Woo-hoo! We survived. We did. And in the best and way. And it's been, it's been, what? It's been... Two weeks? A little less than two weeks. Yeah, it's been a week and change. Yeah. um, As of recording this. We needed time to decompress decompress. because we played so many many video games. games. Oh, man. Um, We had a a wonderful time, though. It was awesome catching up with friends. It was awesome hanging out. We saw some fantastic panels. Shout out to friend of the show, Jacob McCord, absolutely crushing his Game Boy Advance retrospective panel, as well as Video Game Trivia 3 dub edition they're both so great super dope um you can watch i'm gonna give him a plug because he deserves the plugs always plugging um you can watch the gba panel on his youtube channel um youtube.com slash jacob mccourt i believe but you can find it on his socials and then you can watch the video game trivia 3 dub edition panel on giantbomb.com and on youtube.com slash giantbomb. Wow. I had the pleasure of editing that one. Mm -hmm. Um, The panel's a blast. It's hilarious. I've watched it multiple times because of the edit and I couldn't stop laughing. Um, Really wonderful panel all around and shout out to Jacob for letting me um, edit that panel that's now on giantbomb.com which I I will keep saying because it still doesn't feel real. Um, Congrats to him. I know that and meant the world to, to him. Thank you. I, it was Both very excited. It's a lot to process. It was yeah. a roller coaster of a week. Um, and one more content plug, because I'm just doing things. We're both doing things, but there's a lot going on. I was also a guest on the most recent episode of the Indie Council, hosted by Joe wow. Groat and Janet Garcia and Jenny Windham and Mike Toundro, all friends of the show, all fantastic humans. Yes. So I got to chat with Jill and Janet about my time at PAX. Um, so that one's available on their YouTube channel and on Spotify, That's I believe. Amazing. Yeah, so check that out. Go support those folks. Um, it was a blast chatting with them. And once again, just like a lot of cool, cool opportunities happen as a yeah. result of PAX. A lot of good vibes, a lot Definitely. of good folks. Um, should we jump right in? Because let's do it. I'm, so we're skipping. We've got the news this week. No news segment because there's just too many games. We got to get to is, the. The news is the games, and the games are the news. Amen to that. On this non-religious podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Um, Can we chat about um, the first game that I think we both played at at PAX, which was Pepper Grinder. This is a Devolver joint. Um, I feel like historically we've kind of made it a point to start off with the Devolver booth at PAX because they always have bangers. And they, yeah, their merch is very good (laughs) and they always have crazy lines. Yes, any other they time do. of the show except and they for that did. first media hour. They did have crazy really lines did. the entire show, so I am glad that we yeah, got it. Their so lines were capped. Like, and they were showing the whole time. Pepper Grinder, Gunbrella, which is now out. Super excited to play that one. I didn't end up playing it at PAX because we'd played it before, so I was just like, known quantity, it's coming out next right. week, can't wait. And then they were also, they, they had, had the, an like, activation carnival, carnival game yeah. for Wizard with a Gun, which is coming out in a couple weeks as well. So Pepper Grinder was the unknown quantity for us. Jumped into that one. What did you think of this game? I really loved it. It was a, a great first game of PAX. It just felt so satisfying to play between the, like, controller vibrations and how they synced up with the 
um, the traversal. So yeah. the, the setup is that you are playing as a character named Pepper who's been shipwrecked on an island, and you have this massive drill called Grinder, hence Pepper Grinder, and you use the drill to traverse the environment, dig into the ground, but it also allows you to, like, essentially, like, kind of swim through the ground like you're a dolphin and then jump out of it and even boost out of it to launch yourself into other pieces so of satisfying. drillable like that ground. Gameplay loop. You're collecting treasure, you're killing funky little creatures solving puzzles finding keys and hidden collectibles and stuff and like this the, the drill between the animations of like when you collect stuff and the the sound it makes and then the controller vibrations like i already mentioned it just feels so good to play it just like really grabbed me right away what did you think yeah i had a blast with this one too i thought like you mentioned the the fluidity of motion as you yeah. were traversing through levels i thought was super satisfying comparable to games like Tony Hawk or I'd even throw out like the SteamWorld Dig games or Shovel Knight Dig um, but yeah. just moving so quickly through the environments in such a satisfying way I love the colorful world I thought the combat was fun I like a game that uses um, has like a main mechanic but uses it in different ways right so with yeah. the pepper grinder using it for traversal using it for combat kept things really fresh so this was another one of 10 minutes with the game and I was like yep definitely Sold. gonna play it yeah. sold devolver did it again this one's from developer arek is it i believe how you pronounce it that's what i would okay guessed yeah arek well. um but shout out to pepper grinder so this kind of set the bar high and i think these first like five or so games that we played were like oh my gosh we're playing yeah we're playing games um, some of our games of the shows but they right were off just the bat. great games the whole time yeah so. and i think to highlight the show as a whole it's worth noting that i think we I want to talk about everything we played because I think everything we played is of note and yeah. of significance and of high quality, which I think is really special. Yeah, definitely. Um, and something we didn't talk about at the top of the show was that we got a chance to go to the new Seattle Convention Center building, Summit, as well as explore the old Convention Center building, which is now called Arch. And we could get into a whole bunch of logistics about the back and forth of how spread out the convention was, but ultimately like we made it work and we played a lot of games yeah. and it was a lot of fun. It was so a lot of fun. focusing on the positive there, but there's some room to grow and kind yeah. of the logistical setup of the spaces because running back and forth was quite a lot. I mean, in terms of focusing on the positive, like, yes, it probably slowed down how many games we could play and, like, limited our time on the show floor. But also, we got to play probably more games than we otherwise would have because we were able to go to the mix party and yes, play all yeah, of the games which that were there. We'll get into awesome. that once we get into later some of on our the later games. That we played games there. But the mix, for those that aren't familiar, is an off-site indie event. It stands for Media Indie Sh um, Expo? Expo, I believe. Yeah, um super dope organization that puts on digital showcases throughout the year in-person events throughout the year at different conventions to highlight indie developers and this was our first year attending ever but it, we also got to attend as press so we were a part of their media hour and got to play a bunch of amazing games yeah. chat with some wonderful folks it was just like a really cool like laid-back industry party where devs and press and PR folks could just hang out and chat in kind of a down to earth setting about their games. And it was really, yeah. it was really dope. So it's definitely, that's like top of list now of like every industry event. Like, is there a mix happening? Cause that was really, really was fun. Really and fun. I really enjoyed the heck out of that one. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, continuing on with another fantastic indie game that ultimately ended up being 
I would argue my game of the show. I get I gave it my game of the show um, for our other podcast crossplay conversations. Um, but this game was such a blast, and I say that like hesitantly just because I think there's like four or five games that I like absolutely adored, but this right. was the one I chose to highlight on crossplay as my best of. But what a blast this game was! What is the game? You got to play it as well. This game is Another Crab's Treasure, developed by Agro Crab. This is the studio behind um, Going Under, the cool roguelike game based in, like, um, tech startup company vibes. It's very funny. It's very cool. And so this is their new game, and this is their take on a Souls-like action title. Um, You play as this adorable little crab in this SpongeBob-esque colorful sea world Um, fighting all kinds of different sea creatures and the main mechanic of the game is that you are picking up trash and other debris under the ocean floor to then use it as As equipment you can use it as your back bling shell and then that gives you different perks throughout combat and affects your gameplay so you're picking up bottles you're picking up cans bottle caps different objects that then are influencing i got a roll of sushi at one point that i used as, as a shield um and then that changes up combat quite a bit. I think the genre of Souls-like games or games taking elements from FromSoft are just... There's an overabundance of them right. these days. Yeah. But I think between the wonderful setting and the really, really well-refined combat system, I had an absolute blast with this game and highly recommend folks keep an eye on Another Crab's Treasure. So you played this one as well. I, yeah. I really want to hear your thoughts too. Yeah, I did too. And I agree with everything that you said. Um, I you know, don't gravitate towards Souls-like games. And I did find it really challenging. Yeah, Um, it's definitely, it has the the challenge for sure. Right. But I also did appreciate how it had this, like, intense commentary on pollution. Yeah. And, you know, the human impact on the environment. um, While also apparently, according to um, one of the devs who was there, it also gets really dark later on in the game. Oh, interesting. Um, with within that theme, yeah. So I'd be really intrigued. I don't know. We've talked in the past about how you know what souls like game. You know, play it if it motivates you to play it. If you're intrigued by the world and the story, I think that this might be that game. We'll just have to see. For sure, that's awesome. I I tend to be in the camp of like if the style and world resonate enough, you'll you'll want to push through the gameplay. And I think this could be that entryway point for a lot of people, which is really exciting. Right. And it was fun. Yeah. Totally. It felt satisfying, so. And I, I felt myself getting better each yeah, time I died. Like, I definitely. was learning things, I was I was growing, and I think the lure of, like, oh, I want to try that other object as a shield, or, a, you right. know what I mean, and experiment in that way. It was, like, that added, added kind of a, a fun layer that wasn't just, like, I'm dude with sword Almost dying it... to scary boss. It was, like, oh, what, am I going to try a can? Am I going to yeah. try a bottle? Am I going to try this roll of sushi? What does that do? Am I going to explore more? Like, there yeah. was just... There's a lot of depth to it, too, which I was really pleasantly yeah. surprised by. It almost makes it kind of roguelike-esque in yeah, that no, you, 100%. you die and then you're like, oh, right, let's try something different this yeah. time when you have that approach to it. Totally. Um, next up, we played Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown, developed by Ubisoft, which was a really nice, pleasant surprise at being at the show. Right, I did not yeah. expect the game to be there. You kind of suspected it well, would be. Well, I did the night before when we were looking at the fact that Ubisoft was one of the exhibitors because I was like, what else are they going to put on the show floor? Like, they have Assassin's Creed coming up, they have Avatar, and then they have this coming out in January. And it just felt like, this is just me, like, having a little insider knowledge of PAX of just, like, 
it's rare that we see like that big of a triple A title right. at PAX. I think this year there were far more, so I think PAX is coming back in a big way post pandemic. On that front, at quote least. unquote. The, the in terms of indie presence, scene has always been yeah. The that. indie scene's always been incredible, but I think like. I, we, we always talk about, like, in 2018, when we went to PAX West for the first time, they had, PlayStation had a giant presence. Right, Spider-Man yeah. PS4 was playable two weeks before it came out. Like, publicly playable. It was huge. But I, I just don't see that happening. But that right. said, this year, between Nintendo's presence with their live event um, and with the different AAA stuff we played on the show, it just seems like there was a bigger push for AAA yeah. folks to be there, which I thought was cool. Yeah. Um, so that said was pleasantly surprised that Prince of Persia was there, but we got a chance to play it. This is from the team behind the Rayman Origins and Legends games that I absolutely adore. So it's a 2D Metroidvania-style action side-scroller, and it's so, so fun. Yeah, But I, I'm fun. curious your thoughts, because I think this was one that I've been, like, super hyped upon since announcement, but what did you think once you got hands-on with it? I just thought the combat felt really satisfying. Like, this is not my usual cup of tea, but I really enjoyed playing through the level, kind of um, trying to move around the world and use my the different powers available to you to fight these enemies. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the thing that really got me hooked was just how rewarding the combat felt when you were doing it. Yeah, definitely. And you got, I got in a nice like flow state once yeah. I kind of got down, there was like a quick dodge move where you like morphed through stuff kind of, or like debt, you know, like there was some magic power involved right. in these abilities and things. And the sword play I felt was really solid. It yeah. felt like it had some weight to it, which doesn't always feel like the case in 2d games. Um, really enjoyed the traversal. And by the yeah. end of our short demo, I think we played about 10 minutes or so. I wanted to keep playing, but obviously yeah. we had to, you know, we got kicked off and right. had to move on, which is totally understandable. But I was immediately like, yes, this is going to be the yeah. perfect January game, perfect palate cleanser to start Definitely. off the year. It felt really um, intuitive, like the controls. Yeah, stuff totally. Too. Also, the the people running the booth did a really great thing that, that we didn't experience um, because it, I don't think they started doing it yet. But as their booth got busier, um, I don't know if you noticed this, but they, they started having everybody, like they had what, what do you think, like 10 demo stations? Maybe 20? a little more, maybe 15. Um, and they'd have everybody come, like, all, you know, 10, 15 stations filled. Mm -hmm. They'd start the timer, those people would play, and then they'd move on, and next group would all come in at Yeah, one. it was so kind of nice. Like, really it wasn't efficient. so, like... They didn't have to, like, keep track keep of Keep an eye on every people. screen. It was just, like, yeah. Um, and it seemed to be really working for them. I thought them, that was so nice. That and it was, was also nice, too, because then, like... Jacob and Joseph played right before us, and then you and I played, and so it was like we all got to play it very quickly and right. were able yeah. to check it out. So yeah, super excited for that one. Um, next up was another pleasant surprise that I didn't know was going to be at the show, is Beastie Ball, which is developed by Wishes Unlimited, which is the team behind Chicory, A Colorful mm -hmm. Tale, which we both really, really enjoyed. Love that game. That came out two years ago now? 2021, I believe? Sure, I can I think look it so. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. But... um. Yeah, t tell tell me about Beastie Ball, because I know this was one of your favorite games of the show as well. I think what what really hooked me is that we, well, first of all, when we walked up, we got to speak with the developer, Greg Lobanov. Yeah, which was the, the really guy cool. <laughs> behind Chicory, which as I was talking to him, I like realized like, oh, shoot, hello, hi, big fan, wonderful <laughs> big stuff. Big fan, yeah. Um, Super nice guy, by the way. Just yes, really, very nice. Really great conversation about the game. I, I really got hooked by his pitch that BC Ball is kind of like Pokemon, but without the violence. Yeah. 
Um, and it's instead a very wholesome of, game. Instead of battling, he, he, he was saying, you know, in Pokemon you collect all these adorable creatures and you love them so much and then you make them fight each other and then they get hurt and you feel bad. But in Beastie Ball, they're just having some friendly sports competition. They build relationships with each other, learn about teamwork, and then they... Um, don't, they don't get hurt. <laughs> they're just exercising, and they've got you know, they're they are very cute, and they've got such personality. Um, one of the one of the starter creatures you could have picked for the demo had little like basketball shorts on. Um, yeah. and it was just it was it was really cute, and it definitely lived up to that pitch. Did you pick the cute axolotl character no, starter? Because I, I did. <laughs> I picked I picked the blue sort of like rabbit looking one um okay. that it kind of remind me of jinx in pokemon love it a little bit it's worth um, noting oh sorry go ahead no you can you can i was just gonna say while we're talking about the colors it's worth noting too the the thing that struck me that was really interesting about the game was instead of having characters based around elements or you know the earth wind and fire right. electric etc from pokemon um it was really cool that um, Greg mentioned they were focusing on mind, body, and spirit yeah. as kind of the core tenets for these different creatures. Which and it, it influenced the kind of like players they were going to be. Yeah, totally. Like body would be more capable of like intense physical attacks, and like the spirit would be a lot better at pepping each other up. Sure. And the the mind would be better at strategy, um, which I thought was really cool. Also. Yeah, I love um, how their games have this like mental health commentary underlying everything but in a way that feels really like pleasant nice and approachable and not right. just like trying to be super, super informative or super or like beat your head right beat you over the head with it so right. to speak um but yeah the, the the beasties are all really adorable um and there is that that loop element that keeps you coming back oh, for yeah. more where as you're traveling the world you're meeting other you know, coaches with their teams that you get to play against. You're getting ready for a tournament. You also have, like, research quests where you try to start matches against other um, just BCs in the wild to learn more about them. Um, it's worth noting, if I haven't already said it, that you're playing volleyball. And it's, like, that's the the main part of the game, I guess. Like, the, the, the thing you spend the most time doing is these turn-based volleyball matches between you get two and the other people get two um and you are like learning combos you're strategizing with where to place them on the court um and they build relationships with each other the bcs while you play with them so like i had two who became besties after playing a couple matches together and then they got a special combo where it went besties and then they like did their action and it was so cute and after each maneuver the beasties have like little like emoticon reactions um that are all like just full of character and personality and there's character customization there's a world to explore um it was just a lot of fun yeah the game is super super fun and i i was kind of skeptical at first not because of like the dev studio is amazing the previous game was awesome but i was just like volleyball turn-based well, i don't really gravitate towards sports games yeah but i don't this either one is but great. i think but i think they struck at such a nice balance yeah. between like the competitive aspects of volleyball but having the fun turn-based combat of pokemon and it's just really fluid and the turns go by really quickly once you get the hang of things and it just moves in a way that feels super satisfying yeah definitely 
and it kind of is this added layer because I feel like, yeah, I always get to a point in Pokemon where I like, I really love doing battles and I want to grind and I want to level up my stuff and my creatures and everybody. Right. But then I get to a point where I'm just like trying to avoid random battles. You know, you're avoiding the, the clumps of grass. You're trying to evade right. the randomness. But in this game, I feel like BC Ball makes the combat so fun that I feel like there's an added layer that'll keep you coming back, right. keep you wanting to have those exchanges and those games. Right. And Pokemon games can just feel, like, overwhelmingly long at a certain point. Yeah. It's like, I'm ready to be done with this. <laughs> that said, it will be interesting to see how I feel about this game after, say, like, However four hours. hours yeah. You know what I mean? Because after our, like, 15-minute demo, I was like, I love this. But w- right. I, I'm confident I will still... Because it also felt like they were adding new ways to evolve your characters, new new moves. Like, there, there's a lot going right. on here that I think will keep it fresh. So yeah, I'm excited definitely. to keep an eye on this one. Absolutely. Um, next up, you played one a game that's out right now. I did. Tell us about Sail Forth so, from Festive Vector. I played Sail Forth, which has been out since last December. Um, and it is a very cute um, sailing-based game where you are the captain of a ship. And eventually you could even build it out into an armada. And you are sailing the seas, fighting pirates, collecting flotsam and jetsam um you can build out and customize your ship um explore different islands i wasn't able to actually get off the ship and explore islands so i'm not sure how that works Mm -hmm. um but the thing that really struck me about this is that it's not just point and go like a lot of basically every game i've ever played that involves any sort of sailing mechanic or traversing mechanic in general like you just you point the screen where you want to go and then you go in that direction um it actually uses real physics based sailing mechanics based on like the wind direction oh wow so depending on you have to like adjust the sails um you know full sail or like half sail or how many sails you have and then adjust also which direction they're pointed in order to um impact the direction that you're going but also like if you and the wind are parallel to each other you're not gonna move so you have to have the wind in your sails in order to move. And you have to kind of be careful about the ways that you maneuver. Um, and then also you have to make sure that you're maneuvering your ship in the correct position for like where your guns are. So that they are actually hitting when you fire your guns. They're actually hitting the other ship. Um, which I thought was also... It just um, kind of added... It's ironic, but it added like a little sense of realism to the game. Despite it being like really cute and you're playing as like animal characters. Um, so I thought that was really cool. The, like, the dialogue when you interact with other characters is, like, kind of cheeky. Nice. Um, and the characters have a bit of personality. Cool. Um, so I, I really enjoyed the demo, um, and I would, and there's also fishing, which I didn't get to try, and I would definitely check out this game. Nice. It's out That's now. Awesome. So you can check it out now for yourself and yeah. see what you think. It looks super pleasant. Yeah. It just, it just looks, looks really like pleasant. a nice time. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, while you were playing this, friend of the show and I, Joseph Hooper, checked out Tekken 8, developed by Bandai Namco Studios, cool. of course. Um, not a, I don't have a big history with Tekken, but the line was short, and we were like, why not? Let's check out the big AAA fighting game that's coming out in January. Um, and had, had a fun time. I played nice. as a character that had a crazy cheetah body and head, kind of a luchador energy, and I, cool. I won the match, and I felt accomplished. Um... I don't know if Tekken 8 is particularly my jam. For for me, with fighting That's games, fair. they kind of have to, ha- like, 
do something really different to catch my eye. Yeah. Like, I enjoy the novelty of Mortal Kombat. I want to check out Street Fighter Six at some point this year because I've heard really good things about that one, kind of shaking things up and having some cool single-player content. Um, but on a technical level, I thought Tekken played well, but I'm no expert, so I don't really, you know, have a ton to say on that one. But it was Fair cool. Enough. It was it was worth. I'm sure fighting game fans will enjoy themselves based on what I played. Nice. So worth noting. Um, another one I played. This was in the PAX Indie Rising area where they try to highlight really small teams doing super unique special things. Um, a lot of PlayStation um, indie coverage also te- and partnerships tend to come out of this event in this this area because um, right. these folks are like specially selected from applicants to be in these booths um so this game in particular was project tower that i played from yummy games um and on the surface level this game looks like a returnal clone which i don't think is a bad thing it has roguelike elements third person shooter based combat your character model looks very similar to returnal and you're fighting creatures while doing stylish dashes and things to avoid taking damage um the unique twist that i thought was pretty cool over this one is the concept is you're trying to get to the highest level of this tower so you're ascending level by level fighting harder enemies and i thought that like visual aesthetic and like gameplay idea of like climbing higher and higher um was pretty cool mm-hmm. i didn't feel like the combat was particularly challenging but i enjoyed it so i would say for folks that enjoy action titles like returnal this is definitely one to keep an eye on. Right on. Carrying on. I think we'll we'll bounce back and forth a little bit here because there are some games where you played and I watched or right. you played, yeah. I played and you watched and right. vice versa. Um, yeah. It is worth noting that Sailforth was also in the PAX Rising showcase nice. area. Cool. As was a game I'll talk about way at the end uh, pile up. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I played some other stuff there too. Always always awesome and always just like a crazy variety yeah it's also worth noting folks that this is all still day one this is all still yeah, this is all, within the first couple is hours like of the, the show first so half of day one still. we played a lot of stuff <laughs> yes on day we did one. Um, we're gonna keep plugging along so next up i played a game called starvaders I you also watched played Star you played this one a, a little, little bit. bit yep and this one is developed by starvader studios so easy to remember um really really awesome um deck building roguelike strategy game yeah. where you are maneuvering a series of mechs around a tile-based board it has a really cute art style really awesome aesthetic it's very similar to games like slay the spire or into the breach for folks that love those games um and i found the combat to be really satisfying and once you got the hang of um different cards and different abilities i kind of got into this flow state once again where i was like quickly moving through turns and it was really efficient and super satisfying and just really really enjoyed it i i do enjoy strategy games but this is one i would recommend to folks that maybe don't like to go like crazy complex because i think this one had a lot of like solid pick up and play approaches to the combat but what did you think yeah i i agree with everything you said um, this sort of game isn't necessarily my cup of tea. For sure. I, I thought that it, it felt a little easy. Yeah. To me. Um, but I did I enjoy so the art too, style. I thought so too until we got later in the demo yeah. and then it was like, okay, things are ratcheting up. I also assume there's, I think there were difficulty levels to it. Right. And I think we were playing on kind of the entry the medium. Easier, yeah. So for me personally, based on what I played, I'd probably crank the difficulty just to see how 
challenging it can get, but right. I definitely was compelled yeah. on the it combat and was... the visual aesthetic and everything about it was really cool. It, it felt like a, a good game. Yeah, yeah. well made for yes. sure. And this one um, has a demo available right now on Steam, so you can go ahead and check it out. I don't know if it's the same build as what we played, but regardless, you can get a taste of the game and yeah. wishlist it. goes nice. without saying for all of these games that wishlisting is a huge source of support for these dev yeah. teams. Um, it just helps them show that people are interested and care about their games. It helps them secure funding. It helps them keep making these games. So for any of these games that we mention, please go to their Steam pages. You can find all links to all of their Steam pages in the episode description for this episode. Click it, wishlist it. Takes two seconds. Helps out a lot. Yeah, makes a big difference. Heck yeah. All right. Um, next up, we both played a bit of Big Boy Boxing yes, from Soup Masters, which is a great dev studio name. Um, this one was pretty cool. For folks that are big fans of Punch-Out, I think there's a lot to be excited about. This game takes straight homage from Punch-Out. It is Punch-Out. It is amazing retro art, unique characters, quirky attributes to each of them that then you have to overcome in boxing combat. So I that's kind of all I have to say on yeah. it because it's, it's fun. It plays pretty well. I, I enjoyed my time with it. I was interested to see kind of, we only got to see kind of very entry level characters and we saw some other folks playing at the booth that were playing later levels where you get different power ups and perks and systems kind of are introduced and there's just more going on. We didn't get to see as much of that in our appointment, but I really enjoyed what we saw and I'm intrigued. Yeah. But I wasn't like blown away with this one. Yeah, me neither. I think it's. I think for folks that love Punch Out and are hungry for more Punch Out, this is definitely the game for you. So I would say that for sure. Yeah, fair enough. Nice, um, Claire. Tell me about Wild Country from Lost Native. Yeah, I played uh, Wild Country, and um, I really liked it. Nice. It was. It had a really fun art style. Um, you play as an adorable uh, otter. I I can't remember if you got to choose what your animal looked like. Um, but it's animal characters, and the setup is that everybody is preparing for and competing in a tournament of this this card game that's kind of like a cross between, like, Settlers of Catan and Monopoly. Okay. Um, and then the winner of the game gets to be mayor of this town. Love it. So they're all trying to be mayor. Um, and you play as a little critter who's just, you know, doing it for the heck of it. Like, why not? I guess I could try. <laughs> um, but you've also never played this game before. Um, and the, the dialogue is, like, pretty witty. Um, it's funny. And I really liked the game. The card game itself that the game is the yeah. video game wild country is centered on um so the game is kind of like a city builder mm -hmm. and so you are placing cards in order to make money kind of like you would in monopoly but you can also place cards that affect what your opponent is doing like you can destroy their um revenue building buildings or you can like freeze their assets or you can you know wreak havoc on their city that they're building. Okay. Um, and the, at least in the match that I played, the goal was to get to, you know, first person to get to a certain dollar amount of revenue wins. Um, I'm not sure if like the goals change as you complete different matches against different people, but that was the, the one that I played. Unfortunately, I did encounter a, a bug where I was unable to continue and finish the demo. And there were a lot of people online, so I wasn't able to complete the 
entire playthrough of the game, but I really, really liked what I did play of it, and I'm definitely keeping my eye out for this one when it comes out. That's awesome. Yeah, I thought aesthetically this game looked really cool, and I'm interested to play it. I I heard from a few folks that they had some technical issues with the demo, but that what's there is really special. Yeah. So I, I would definitely recommend folks keeping an eye on this right. one, and I want to check it out for but myself, It's a too. demo, and it's not out yeah, now. Yeah, so no, things happen, things happen, and it's... It's a tough setting to right. demo any game, you right. know, so well, no they're, bad they're, vibes. There are always games that are on the show floor at PAX that, that really shouldn't be. Like, they are not ready. Yeah. This was not one of those games. The, fact, the fact is, though, because um, when I was on Indie Council with Jill and Janet, Jill brought up this game as well, and I think the fact that both of you brought this up as a game of significance, as something you want to talk about, despite encountering some minor technical yeah. issues with the demo itself. It's I a think testament to how to much fun it was. Yeah, totally. yeah. I was so. just writing it off. Yeah, no. And it also, like, it wasn't that big of a deal. I'm sure that the... Totally. The, I'm sure that the person who was running the booth would have been able to help me fix it. There was just such a long line that sure. I was just like, let's you, just reset, someone else can play. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand. I understand for sure. <laughs> um, another Claire-ass game that you got a chance yeah. to check out, um, Fae Farm. Fae Farm. Which is, which out, is out now from now. Phoenix Labs. Yes. T- t- tell us about it. This was one that it, you were like skeptical. You were like, I, oh, I don't know if I need to play that one. And I was like, Claire, it's like the farming, crafting, friendship making game. I think you need to play it. I just remember seeing just it Just because historically, trailer. this is such a you type of genre. I just remember seeing in the trailer that it, it looked like it looked like it was a lot like Stardew Valley, but necessarily didn't have. I mean, there's there's a lot of games like this out there right sure. now. The farming sim where you customize You're your house. How many hours Stardew deep into Valley meets story Animal of Crossing right now? Right. Sure. These, these games are everywhere and they're in vogue right now. So people are making them left and right. And I just thought, you know, from the trailer, what about this game makes me want to play it over any of these hundred other similar titles I could play. Um, and then after I played it, the first thing I wrote in my notes is this is going to consume my life. (laughs) Um, I was right. It, it definitely is very similar to Stardew Valley in terms of the game mechanics from what I could see. Mm -hmm. There are mysterious forces at play, so there are areas of the map that you can't get to right away. Um, which I think is always nice with this sort of game so that you can work up to doing things. If it's a game where everything that you're able to do is there right at the very beginning, it's easy to get bored and not be incentivized to keep playing long term and these games are definitely games that need to be played long term for sure um i I still stand by that i think that fey farm is going to consume my life at some point however i'm still almost i'm i'm almost done with story of seasons and honestly i feel a little bit burnt out on the genre at this moment so you play a lot of story of seasons so i think it makes sense to take a break and i'm always like i'm going on the social media uh little tangent here and people are talking about how they're on like their third fourth fifth playthroughs and they have tried marrying all the different like spouse options and like and i'm just like how (laughs) i think there are folks that like they devote themselves to a game and that's their game for the year and I think that's well, probably... And they're, they're, like, they're like, yeah, I have one million gold after year two. No problem. There's nothing to spend money on. I'm just like, what am I missing here? <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty um, funny. But anyway, back to Faya Farm. Sure. Um, yeah, the, the, the Animal Crossing meets Slime Rancher meets Stardew Valley. Um, mm-hmm. I, I started... You could, when you're playing the demo, you could choose to start at the very beginning of the game or play a demo that exemplified like mid-game level gameplay or... End, late game end of game gameplay and i chose the starting out 
And I kind of regretted it because the setup is very similar to every other game in the genre. Um, and I was really intrigued to see how the like actual like critter like once collecting you're in the thick of it, how, comes, how does it differ? comes into play. Yeah. Um, like in the trailer, and I didn't get to see that unfortunately. But you know, if I once I'm not burned out anymore, I can check it out now because it's out now. Yeah. Um, it, it was really cute, and I like talking to the characters, which is always kind of a selling point with this sort of game because if you're walking around talking to the NPCs and they're boring or don't have any personality sure, or you annoying, have that incentive then to it's keep like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to keep playing. This is not, um, I didn't have that. So I really enjoyed Fae Farm. And I think that if you like this sort of game, you should definitely check it out. If you like Stardew, if you like Slime Rancher, Story Seasons, whatever. Thanks. Check it out. Cause yeah. it's fun. For sure. And also shout out. They definitely had the best booth. Their booth was dope. It was great. They had like, they had, like seating and little campfire, campfires and trees. Little toadstools. And, yeah. Very it, fun. Very nice aesthetic. Yeah. And they just had a ton of stations too. How many times can I say aesthetic in this episode? Not enough. Okay. Fair enough. Thank <laughs> you for that. Um, speaking of games with great aesthetic, I played Like a Dragon Gaiden, The Man Who Erased His Name, the latest entry in the Yakuza franchise from RGG Studio. Um had a blast with this one did not expect to get a chance to play it it was kind of cool to get to play a triple a game pre-release you know what i mean yeah. like a big game that people are super excited about um that said i love yakuza i'm a big fan of like a dragon proper and then i really enjoyed like a dragon Ishin earlier this year mm -hmm. and i've dabbled with zero and some of the other entries so i'm pretty familiar with the franchise but i wouldn't say i'm like a super fan i think i am a super fan going forward but i haven't played everything right. still playing catch up um that said this game was really fun it didn't do anything that like shocked me like it was like i went to a cabaret club i went to a fighting a fight club where i put on a rooster hat mask fun. and fought enemies um the coolest thing that felt distinct to this game to me to my understanding is that you play as this kind of like secret agent businessman-esque character and you get gadgets and powers and weapons. So there's this one power where you can like almost like web sling enemies together. You can have different gadgets and different things happening. So it seems like there's some interesting things happening with combat mm -hmm. that, that are different and distinct to this entry. But otherwise it felt played really well. It felt solid. It felt like great Yakuza. So I think for fans of the series... A lot to look forward to here and was excited yeah. to get hands on. Nice. Um, next up, we both checked out Button City Soccer Days. Which was really From fun. developer Subliminal. And for folks that aren't familiar, Button City itself is a narrative game that came out two years ago. And then Button City Soccer Days is a sequel to that game. A spinoff. Sorry, thank you. Spinoff to that game, but a follow-up, if you will, quote unquote. Um, it's really cool, though. Yeah, Claire, talk about this one a little bit because I think this one we both we did. enjoyed and we got to play together. Yeah, um, so this is another game that is sports based that yeah. I liked way more than I expected. Yeah, totally. Um, that is also super cute and wholesome and fun, which makes sense animals. because <laughs> Button City and Beastie Ball were both in the wholesome direct. Yes, they were, yeah. mm -hmm. which is I think why we it made a sense. point to yes. go yep. um, see them. And, um, yeah, it uses the original cast of Button City um, as they start their own soccer team to compete in a new local tournament. 
Um, so you have Fennel the Fox and all its buds. I didn't play Button City. I just know that's from looking at the Steam page. Um, <laughs> I want to now, though. Yeah. I definitely want, want to go back and play Button City mm -hmm. after after playing Soccer Days. Um, so we played a versus mode match where we just played the soccer portion. Um, and the gameplay was really fun. It was kind of like Rocket League in terms of like the direction that you're running and then you just touch the ball and that the momentum is what pushes it forward. So it's not like other games where like the ball is magnetic and you're like choosing, it's not turn-based at all. Sure. Um, you're not choosing moves um, or anything. You're just running around trying to move the ball with your feet, um, trying to keep it away from the goalies, which felt a little OP to me, but that's probably for the best because otherwise there will be scoring goals left and right. It's more about the vibes than yeah. the, like, this is a sports simulator. Yes, it was know. definitely way more about the vibes, which I appreciated because it also makes it feel more like like this is a local team of friends and not like the the freaking professionals. Sure. Um, I also appreciated how you could like switch between characters really easily, so you could like the the one guy who's running on the other end of the field switched to him because the ball was going that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I really liked the controls of that. I felt really good. Um, we also, I got to watch as somebody else played through a bit of the story portion oh, nice. and it also looked really cute and wholesome with the characters, you know, building up their team. And apparently there are like different things that happen in the story mode that can affect your outcomes, um, like dealing with injuries and stuff or inclement weather. Um, and just like building relationships with the other people on your team. So I think it sounds like really wholesome and positive vibes. And then we also actually got to speak to one of the devs, Ryan Woodward, yeah. at the booth. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was Super talking, nice. he was very nice. And he was talking about how the game was sort of inspired by their own town and, you know, local people who were soccer players who and inspired them to start their own team. So Yeah, and he was talking about how he kind of personally like fell in love with soccer after not really knowing anything about the sport and then right. that kind of led to the inspiration behind the game, which I think is really rad of like finding a passion and then being like I want to like celebrate this in a meaningful way. Yeah. So and I think cool. that, that really bleeds through into the gameplay. Yeah. And I think it's just really wholesome in the game space to have a game that is about trying something for fun and doing it for fun, um, especially within the sports sphere. Because I think everyone always talks about doing things like how can you become great at it or how can you turn this into a job or whatever. And it's like, sometimes you can just do shit for fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's I think how it feels. To that too, it like the game feels approachable in yeah. a wonderful way. Like it doesn't feel intimidating at all. And I think that's really special too. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So we have, I believe a trio of games that you played to talk about next. Um, I think some of these were at the mix. Yes, so I played Planetiles, still on the show floor, okay. and then I played The Gap and Critter Crops. Okay, let's hear let's hear about all three of those. Um, so Planetiles was from on the show Mythic floor Owl. from Mythic Owl. Cool name, also. I did not understand what this game was at first, and I was very confused. Okay, but what it is is it's kind of like a planet builder sim meets Tetris. This was at the Polish booth, right? Yes, if I recall. it was okay. at the Polish booth. Nice. So. So you are, you're given a hand, essentially, of different terrain tiles, and then you have goals, like plant five um, isolated tree tiles next to each other, or plant two sand tiles, or create a beach doing X, Y, or Z. Um, and so you have to be strategic about where you place these tiles in the order that they come to you so that you can check off as many quests as possible and get as much uh, money as possible. Um, that's the goal. 
uh, yeah, I didn't really understand that at first. So I was very confused. But once I got the hang of it, it was really fun. Um, I really liked the the gameplay loop of, you know, trying to figure out where to place the different tiles to accomplish the quests. Um, it felt challenging without feeling, you know, frustrating. Um, and yeah, it was fun. It wasn't quite what I expected or wanted from the gameplay. I think I was expecting it to be a little bit more Terranel-esque. Um, but if you like Tetris, this is a, a fun game to check out. It's got a fun spin on the gameplay loop. So, Heck yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Um, it it kind of reminded me of um, Dwarf Romantic yeah. that I got really into the puzzle yeah. game last year. Similar like vibes and aesthetic, and there it is again. Right, aesthetic. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I really, really like the look of this one too. Yeah, definitely. And then I played The Gap at the Mix. This is coming October 19th um, from soon. Label so This. Games. So many it's great games. Soon. Good problem, um, but a lot of games. I think this would be a cool one to check in October because it is kind of spooky. So okay. it's a first person kind of like narrative exploration game. And it, it focuses on using memory, specifically like using Deja Vu to explore different um, experiences that your character has had in order to piece together the mystery of what has happened to him and his family in order to get, you know, get help. Um, and it seems to have a lot of really interesting commentary on mental health. Um, the, the, the show floor was not the appropriate place to demo this game well and this one was at the mix too it was, so it was like yeah, a was loud party loud. there's like dj music <laughs> happening people are it's chatting like, mysterious ethereal music how could you do this to our family burr, 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 burr. everybody <laughs> like i was everybody, just like Man, i really want hands. yeah i yeah. really want to play this game in a different setting um but i was i was really intrigued by the the loop of like picking up objects and trying to you know reading notes trying to figure out which objects to pick up that would trigger the memory sure. that you needed in order to move forward. Um, and it was really trippy. Nice. So, yeah, I think the gap is, is definitely one to check out. I love well. a good narrative game. So I'm, I'm always down to check one of these out. And th these are cool ones to play together too. Usually of like watch and see what happens with the story interactive. Yeah. Yeah. Entertainment. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, and it, it's, it's, it's kind of spooky. So definitely a, an October vibes game. <laughs> Heck yeah. Next um, up, you played Critter Cross. Which is also an October Vibes game. I think that they probably originally planned on it coming out at this time, but it's currently slated for release in Q1 2024. Okay. Um, Perfectly fine. This is another farming sim type game. You play as Elsie, a little witch. The art style is adorable. Nice. And you are not just farming crops, but you're actually farming critters. So the first two that I got to in the demo were a bat and a uh, ghost. So you could, it's very Halloween themed. There's like jack-o'-lanterns everywhere. There's a haunted house with like eyes that follow you. So it's definitely very spooky, very Halloween vibes. Um, you, you grow the, the critter crops and you can keep them in your barn or you can sell them. You're trying to rebuild the town and figure out the mystery and how your character is connected. Um, I really enjoyed the vibes of this game, but the gameplay itself was a little slow. Okay. And I also had to wait a really long time to play it. And that shouldn't be a knock against the game, except for whenever you have this... You ever have this experience where you have to wait a long time and then you play it and you're like, eh, kind of wish I hadn't waited. That's kind of how I felt. Yeah, it's always a tough setting to play these demos, but it looked interesting. It looked like it could be cool. Well, and it's, it's yeah, like you said, it's a tough setting for demos, and you never know how it's going to feel when you're actually sitting down to play sure. it. Sure. 
especially once it, it comes out in full and, and yeah. all of the things that you can do in the full game are available, not always in the demo. Of course. Um, so I, I think keep an eye on Critter Crops wishlisted on Steam if it sounds interesting to you. Um, and hopefully next Halloween we'll have something cute, cozy, spooky to play. Heck yeah. Skyreach Studio on that one. Yeah. Another game from the mix that we both played, Venture to Vile. Also from spooky. Studio Cut to Bits. Also spooky has a, it's a 2D, 2.5D rather, yeah. Metroidvania style game set in Victorian England. Yeah. Um, had a blast with this yeah, game. It this ended cool. up being one of my favorites that we played as well. It was a big year for Metroidvanias and this one rose to the top of my list very yeah. quickly upon playing it. I think the standout feature to me is that 2.5D feature right. where you have these amazing um, hand-drawn environments and you can go into the background and the foreground as you're exploring. So it just really opened up traversal. It opened up combat. It opened up puzzle solving and finding hidden secrets to progress further in the level just because you had so much verticality right. within the 2.5D plane. And the aesthetic was really, really cool. I feel like you don't see a lot of Victorian England games the only one i can think of off the top of my head is assassin's creed syndicate but i think this one has such like a cool artsy spooky aesthetic that right. i think would be another good one for the the spooky season but well, the, had a blast with this one there there was the the vile part of the right. game where there's like this creepy like mushroom spores on the wall a lot of spiders and like, that you're fighting like and things oozing gross monsters mm -hmm. and stuff it, it's it was inspired by, you know, early Tim Burton aesthetic. There is another one. Um, yeah, it was just, it was cool. It was a cool vibe. Yeah, super interesting. Um, another cool vibe is, is an interesting word for this one. Ebenezer and the Invisible World from Orbit Studio and Play on Worlds. This is a 2D Metroidvania where you play as Ebenezer Scrooge in the setting of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. And just on paper alone, that setup is like, huh, really? A Christmas video game? That's very interesting. But I think the devs that we spoke to were so incredibly passionate about the lore and the background of the story. And they're doing yeah. some unique things to put twists and light horror elements into things and unexpected things to it. And the art style is this amazing hand-drawn children's book. It looks beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I'm definitely intrigued. Like, yeah. what a unique pitch. What an odd choice. But I think it's working and it's paying yeah. off because I think it's really catching a lot of attention. Right. I also think it's it's ironic because just a second ago, we were talking about Venture and Vile. You were saying, you know, unusual for it to be Victorian England setting. But this is also a Victorian England setting. And we played them kind of back to back. Sure. But I guess, like, just having the focus on a Christmas carol is just, yeah. like, so interesting. Like, I... In 2023, I never could have predicted this game right. existing, but I'm glad it does, and I'm excited to play more, yeah, and I think it's definitely. really, really interesting. And like I said, just the pure passion from the devs on this one. You can't not respect that they're doing something unique and something right. cool. And something that they, they really care about. Yeah, heck yeah. I also think that the, the mechanic of the ghosts not just being creatures that you need to fight, but also, you know, utilize people's right. different skills and help them with quests and stuff and it's totally. just like yeah now ebenezer scrooge is like the the go man for all of <laughs> sure. these ghosts now he has this, this superpower he can see them i also appreciated the devs being like did you know he was only in his 50s 
that's how old Hugh Jackman is <laughs> or or something what they said they had so um, many facts I was it, very impressed and, and, uh, and so now he's like he, he's not a you know crotchety old man he can move hobbling around yeah, yeah. he he's a he's a they made him a little bit of a dilf which i think is hilarious <laughs> did they use that expression or they did you, not okay, i'm not putting that okay. on there but <laughs> that's very funny but, but they said they said like that's tom cruise that's hugh jackman i, I think that the, the spirit of the DILF spirit is, is there. imbued okay. in the fair. character <laughs> based on those love it so definitely keep an eye on ebenezer and the invisible world um next up i played a game called techno banter Mm. that this game blew my mind like i was so stoked about this game this is definitely in my top five games of the show so for folks that are totally unfamiliar this is techno banter from dexai arts um the premise of the game that i was pitched by the developer is that it is papers please with sassy dialogue And the premise is that you are playing as a nightclub bouncer in this fantastical world with different mythical creatures and anthropomorphic creatures that are coming to your nightclub. And then you have to suss out their character traits and their backstories to determine whether or not you're going to let them into your nightclub. And then as you decide who goes in, who doesn't, who gets rejected, the dynamic of the nightclub shifts, your boss, who's this like frog crazy lady. frog woman <laughs> who calls you laddie i love it it's adorable it's weird it's cute um it she kind of shifts her opinion of you and all the characters shift their opinion of you and there were some amazing exchanges of like this guy is obviously like you're chatting and he's just saying things that feel kind of misogynist and bad and you're like mm, i'm not gonna let you in but then he like bullies his way past you and goes in and totally disrupts the dynamic of the club and then you let in this like quiet person who just wants to make friends and they add to the club in a positive way and like how that affects the story and different things and yeah and the characters were awesome the writing i thought held up really well it was really funny it was really fun um we ended up i i was playing you were watching and then joseph walked up and was watching and we were all like no not that guy or yeah definitely let that person in and we all got like really invested really quickly in this game it was just super delightful can't say enough good things about techno banter yeah it was fun it was fun to watch too you're right about that yeah and i think it just has that same it the papers please comparison just felt very apt to me because like on the surface level the gameplay is very simple you're making observations about people you're reading their character traits and hearing what they're saying to you and then you're making a judgment call and then that has ripple effects on the story and how things are impacted. And it's very, very cool. So yeah. I'm super excited for that one. Um, next up, Joseph and I played Rugrats Adventure in Gameland, mm. being developed by Wall Ride Games. I'm so pumped for this. I'm so pumped <laughs> that it's happening. Um, for folks that have no context of this, this is a game being developed as an NES style action platformer in the Rugrats world is a Rugrats licensed game and it's being developed. It'll come out on steam, but it's also coming to a physical NES cart that you can buy (laughs) and put into your Nintendo entertainment system. Um, and the game played like something I would have played on an NES in the best way possible aesthetic. Um, we played two player co-op. It was super fun. It was pretty challenging. Like those licensed games were back Mm -hmm. in the day um and it just immediately gave me this giant burst of nostalgia i loved rugrats as a kid and i immediately sent a release trailer or an announcement trailer of this game to my folks and they were like oh my god rugrats really like that's so cool and so i I, i'm just so happy this game exists i'm happy it played well i'm happy it was fun can't say anything 
Can't say enough good vibes about Rugrats. Yeah. It's it's amazing and hilarious. It's hap- and in twenty twenty three. Like heck yeah, let's go. Why not? You keep capitalizing on my nostalgia, people. You keep doing it. I'll allow I'm here it. For I'll it. allow it. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, next up, we both played Toy Tactics, which is a game developed by Kraken Empire. It's currently available in early access. Claire, what did you think of this one? Since I've, I feel like I've gone on a soapbox a for the last couple games. Um, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that some of the mechanics were really fun. Um, the art style was cool. I appreciated on one hand, but also did not like on the other, how when you died, like when you failed, when you did not do a good job, it was just like, well, here have some more troops. Here have some magic. Here's a new mechanic so that you can keep going. I think that might have just been for and the demo. And I think demo. it was probably just so like that, that you didn't get stuck yeah, in the demo. I, um, I didn't ask, but I kind of just read between the lines that that was the setup. And just to throw out real quick, because I want to hear more of your thoughts for folks that don't know anything about this game, it's a, it's a top-down strategy game where you have toy soldier troops that you're leading into battle. Right. Heck yeah. yeah. Um, like I said, the art style was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of mechanics to explore, so I think that it could be, if you're a fan of this genre, this could have an interesting new twist. I just don't play a lot of this genre, so I wouldn't know. And I didn't... I, feel necessarily grabbed by it i feel like i play a fair bit of this genre and i felt like there was a lot going on it was another one that was hard to demo in the setting we were um demoing just because the developer was trying to give us tips and instruction and it was like it was very loud (laughs) this is a party vibe and i i'm not absorbing all of this information in the same way i would if i was sitting down right yeah well rested to play this game, is, but I thought it was cool. On the, game. the one mechanic that felt really striking to me was that you can point and click and draw the path of your troops. Yeah, that was cool. That you want them to go, and it can be any shape, any thing. And I thought that was really unique yeah, and interesting cool. and kind of cool. I could see um, younger gamers having a really good time with that too, of getting creative with like where you're sending your troops and the way they scatter enemies. Kind of requires you to like draw a crazy line that gets all the enemies and takes everybody out and it, it, yeah. it so that was really compelling and i thought that was a fun thing that they did with that one yeah definitely awesome continuing on i think this is our last mix game yeah this is our last game of day one folks <laughs> we're about an hour into this recording. to be fair we played way more on day one than we did on any other day yeah that's fair because we had panels we're, and interviews and different things we're more than rest. halfway through the list oh yeah oh yeah we're getting there um, so last closing out the mix, we both played Knight versus Giant, the Broken Excalibur from Gambier Studios. Gambier? Your guess is as good as mine, man. Gambier Studios. Um, super, super awesome. Yeah. Um, Top down isometric roguelike action game. Uh, you play as this n- little knight character and you are Wait, selecting abilities. Play as King Arthur. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I missed that. Um, I guess that makes sense, though. Yeah. <laughs> I was really into the gameplay of this game, which maybe makes sense. I was why really I into that. the Arthurian legend. Spin. I mean, the fact is, we played like twenty games right. in that day. Yeah. So the fact that by the end, I was like, "Oh, I missed who the protagonist was." I was, I was like, "Oh, this is cool. It's kind of like Hades." And he was like, "Yeah, you're King Arthur. Look, it's Merlin." And I was like, "Well, that's pretty sick." <laughs> it, it's super sick. So aesthetically, the game looks like Bastion. Mm-hmm. It has like this wonderful hand painted watercolor art style and you're fighting all these crazy creatures mushroom enemies rock dudes 
Um, and then it culminates in this awesome final boss fight where you're fighting a giant. And I got to watch Joseph play and then friend of the show Jonathan was playing before him. Um, or I think actually Joseph played first Jonathan and then, but it was cool to see how we all had super different, different builds and yeah. we picked different perks and we picked different weapons and Joseph particularly struggled with the boss and Jonathan and I like clowned out the boss for most of the phase. I didn't end up beating the boss. I got it down to like 15% health and then died because it was a pretty challenging demo, but it was really, really cool to see. I feel like with some games, when you're picking perks and things in between different runs and levels, they don't really make that much of a difference. Like it's like 0.1% more damage and you don't really feel it. But with this one, it felt like I was getting poison effects. I was shooting multiple projectiles. I was getting different um, areas of fire and things like that. And it right. was like immediately crazy impact. And so it was, it was very, very fun. Had a blast with it. This game has a demo available on Steam. Please, please, please wish list it. Play yeah, this game. That's cool. This was easily my favorite thing that we played at the mix. Um, just in terms of like sheer fun. It was like this and Techno Banter were my two yeah. favorites for sure. But yeah. Absolutely enjoyed the heck out of it. Yeah, me but too. Was everything great. was really good. Venture to Vial was really great. I think those were my three because we got to vote at the end of the night for what our favorite games right. were, but had an absolute blast I with all of those. Everywhere. Um, yeah, I really also like Knife vs. Giant. And just circling back to the Arthurian legend part and how you're, like, trying to restore yeah. Camelot to its former glory and the, the other knights that are on table have been vanquished and you can channel their powers. Merlin is there. It's cool. Heck yeah. It's cool. Um, next up... Now we're on day two. We're on day two. This we're is, starting with Pile Up. This is a game that I played that was also in the, the PAX Rising... Um, showcase area. It is an early access right now, um, brought to us by Remove, um, which I'm not sure. I don't know anything about the the dev studio, but the PR team that was there were talking about how this was actually made by um, students uh, based in Turkey. Nice. Um, they just couldn't be there, but the game itself was really cool. It caught my attention from afar. Um, it's a vertical city builder. So okay. you start with this small... Like 2D or... It's it's 3D and it's it starts off isometric, but you can rotate the camera to any angle you like. Okay. And then you can cool. also... There's a top-down angle that you can switch to. And I believe there's like a blueprint angle that you can switch to later, although I didn't experience that. Um, so you start off with this like little spit of land and then... Um, Kind of similar to Planet Tiles, you are given a, a hand of uh, buildings to choose from, and you have to place them all in a way that doesn't contradict with each other, and also sets you up for future success when you move on to the next level with the next hand, and you have to place those buildings. So there is definitely some element of strategy. It's not a sandbox. You are you have to take what you're given and run with it. Um, but it was also, like, the art style was really cool, and just the idea of, like, you are building a, um, settlement for people to live, but you're going up and not out at all, and you're just working with what you have. Um, it was kind of a little bit cheeky with, um, the, like, descriptions of the buildings of, like, yeah, we really did fit five people into this tiny little building. <laughs> <laughs> um, or, like, this one has a garden, which is... I guess outside is nice sometimes or whatever. Um, this one will set buildings on fire if they are flammable. So don't put flammable buildings next to this building that has fire in it. Um, so you had to be a bit strategic with that. Uh, some of them could only be roof and you couldn't build anything on top of it. Um, 
So that that like strategy element was what made it really fun. Um, the the controls weren't super intuitive. So I imagine that's something that the studio is probably going to be working on as they get feedback from their early access. Um, but yeah, I would definitely check this one out now. Give them, you know, the feedback, show that you're interested. I know that I am. If if this sounds like it's interesting to you, if you like City Builders, this is a cool one. That's so awesome. So definitely check it out. Heck yeah. While you were playing that, I checked out Black Jackal from mm-hmm. Bad Galaxy Games. Um, super cool, I would say, kind of exploration puzzle game from what I played. So it, it's set in space and you're controlling a drone as you're going out into deep space and trying to gain access to different parts of this spaceship. And it's run-based, so there's kind of a roguelite element to where you're dying and then having to retry how you went into the into the spaceship. So I was, you know, doing things like going through the pressurization chamber and then finding a door and then trying to find the access button to open said door and then going down a wrong path and some a piece of debris falling on me. So then that wasn't the right way to go. So then I started all over, go through deep space again and try different ways of maneuvering. Mm-hmm. And the, the game on a technical level looks really, really impressive. Oh, like nice. it looks really, really stunning. Like these vistas and things as you're looking at deep space compared to say a star field that we're playing right now um, in terms of just like, wow, the scale of this is pretty cool in terms of visual fidelity. So I was really impressed by that. Nice. Um, otherwise it was funny because the devs mentions like I was kind of like, Oh man, I didn't do very well. I died a lot. Da, 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 and they were like, no, 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 that's like that's part very, of it. <laughs> very few people have like, crushed the demo in one sitting and just been able to do it perfectly like the point is the trial and error the exploration the kind of figuring it out as you go but super interesting game excited to check out more i also played instruments of destruction which is in early access now from radian games um super cool physics-based game where you're maneuvering vehicles and trying to destroy structures and um, in the one of the levels I played, you have a giant tank and you're trying to destroy buildings before a giant squid invades. Like really wacky, really wild. But in terms of like the sheer physics based gameplay design of the systems in the game, I had such a blast. Like it was mm-hmm. really cool seeing like little particles fly off the building. And as you're a tank, like driving up the side of the building and seeing that impact it. So it felt like an indie battlefield in kind of the best way of just like wrecking havoc and seeing the after effects on the world around you was really, really fun. And they're like bite-sized levels. I beat the first level in like five or 10 minutes and then moved on to the next. And they slowly ratcheted up in terms of like complexity and difficulty and different types of things to destroy and mechanics and you're firing missiles and shooting your gun and doing all this stuff. It, It was really fun. Nice. That sounds fun. Heck yeah. Next up, we both played a game called Biomorph, which has a demo available on Steam from Lucid Dream Studios. This one is dope. Great. Tell me all about it. Um, This is another Metroidvania. It's very dark. Um, You are playing as Harlow, I believe is the the creature's name. This um, cool, like, cat kind of creature. But it's like, everyone's like an alien. Um, Or the character kind of reminded reminded me of um, Rivet yeah, from a little bit Ratchet the, and Clank, just in terms the, of like the, the aesthetic like and the vibe and, the and kind of the steampunky um, vibe of it. But but this character has the ability 
to, well, you wake up in this, like, lab. You've clearly been experimented on. Your friend is trapped. You're trying to get them out. Um, you have the ability, as it turns out, to morph into the other alien creatures you kill while you are exploring and trying to escape this, this facility. Um, and then you use that to solve puzzles. So, like, the one that can smash blocks, you have to kill it and take over its body so that you can smash the block in order to move on. And then you unlock, you know, obviously it's a Metroidvania, you unlock the ability to go back to previous areas and find new clues. Um, the, something that really struck out, or struck me about this demo were the fully animated cutscenes. Yeah, just, like, super how polished beautiful. it was. The Reminded characters... me of, like, arcane, like, super yeah. stylized and awesome looking. The characters just, like, really felt fleshed out and compelling. Um, apparently Biomorph also has an element that we didn't get to see in our demo where you are like kind of repairing the city and you can even like customize it a little bit. So I'd be really intrigued to see what oh, that really? ends up looking like. Oh, really? I didn't hear about like. that at all. Yeah. Um, okay. but, but why don't you tell me about your experience with Biomorph? Because you were really hot on it too. Yeah, I had a blast with this. I thought visually it looked awesome. I thought the morphing gameplay and combat as a result of it was incredibly cool and set it apart from basically every other Metroidvania that we played at the show. It was cool to play as like Godzilla-sized like creatures yeah. versus <laughs> like your little character and kind of everything in between. And I think the promise of that like getting more and more amped up throughout the game is really really cool right. and seeing how that evolves in different gameplay scenarios but yeah enjoyed it i thought the combat was fun i thought um yeah. traversal worked well in a game that has some backtracking and things like that it was fun to move around it was fun to fight you know the the normal level enemies and some cool boss fights that we got to see as well yeah. and just overall just really really enjoyed the gameplay so i'd yeah, highly recommend folks go check out that demo the gameplay was very satisfying although i will say quick psa just in general if you are demoing a game at a convention uh don't remap the controls and if you do put them back when you're done or tell somebody oh, I remember because you my told controls me about were mapped wrong and afterwards i was like didn't y'all think it was kind of weird that the button that's usually used for jump was attack and the button that's usually and used I was for attack was like, jump what are you talking and you were about? like no and i was like yeah i kept jumping into the enemies and dying and it was oh, very frustrating no. um so yeah just just be mindful of the people who come after you if you are a control remapper. That said, though, <laughs> nice that there's that accessibility option yes. of remapping the controls. Yes. Very cool. Yes. Biomorph, dope. Next up, you, Claire, played My Friendly Neighborhood. I did. Which is out right now. I was just walking around trying Developed to kill time. by John and Evan Szymanski. That's what I would guess. Yeah. Um, you were playing you were playing Pacific Drive at this point, and I was just walking around trying to stay close by. Um, and everything had such a long line, it was really crowded. And this one had uh, there was a there was a child playing this game. Okay. With his dad watching him. Sure. And there was no other line, so I was like, mm -hmm. ah, perfect. Um, and as the child was playing this game, um, I was just, I, I was just like, is this is this a, is this a this isn't a child's game is it no it's it's not uh, it's a survival horror game set on a sound stage and you are trying to get to the bottom of whatever is causing all of the it's basically it's sesame street except for all of the muppets have been come have become possessed and try to kill you <laughs> <laughs> it definitely um, had some like five like, nights at freddy's energy yeah. when i was walking by um but without any gore 
There was no yeah. gore. Okay. It was first person. They were like strangled you, um, and attacked you, and like there was like the sound of them batting you with their like Muppet arms, um, which was freaky. It wasn't not freaky. Also, Big Bird was like blue and twenty feet tall, and it was very freaky. Nice. <laughs> um, it but it was so interesting. You collect your the the object of the demo was to collect number blocks from around the war- the area, and you're trying to kind of solve puzzles to figure out, you know, how to open the safe, that kind of thing. Um, Your weapon is a, like, typewriter gun thing that shoots letters at the characters. Cool. Like. Weird. Cool. But it's like Sesame Street, you know, the letter of the day is E. But it's like, I'm shooting letters at the, yeah. (laughs) Um. I couldn't really get a hang of, like, the inventory system. Okay. Um, And I've heard people, because this game is out now. Um, I don't know if I said that. You did. It came out in July. Um, I've heard people say that th- that is a, that's a complaint people have with the, the game overall. But if you are into like survival horror, but you do not like things that are super gory or like really scary, you just like it when it's like kind of creepy. That's where the that that's hit, that hit on that's for me. I wasn't. I didn't feel like scared at any point. Just unsettled. And probably part of that was because it was on the show floor. Um, but, but there was also no gore. So if you are really turned off by violence, I think that this is a, a fun, suspenseful game. More than it is like a Five Nights at Freddy's, you're getting stabbed to death, visceral sort of game. Sure. Okay. Um, cool. I really liked it. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. Um, while you were checking that out, I played a new build of Pacific Drive, which was one of my games of show at PAX East. Had a blast with it. Um, But as far as the game demo that I played, super fun, still super sold on this game for folks that know nothing about Pacific Drive. This is a roguelite-based survival game set in the Pacific Northwest with kind of an eerie supernatural twist looming going on. And you are tasked with... You have this beat-up old station wagon, and you're tasked with repairing the station wagon and going out and exploring and finding these power sources to then progress the story and progress your game. Mm -hmm. And you're able to upgrade your car, scavenge for um, crafting materials and different things throughout the world, explore at your own leisure, all while kind of battling against this ticking clock of, I believe the term they use is an anomaly or like a an interruption or something like that. It's the end of the world, though. It will kill you. Right. So these these creatures are coming that it kind of has a similar vibe to, like, a um, amnesia, the dark descent, in a way of, like, you don't necessarily, like, see creatures at the very beginning. It just feels really spooky, and then they kind of, like, just, like, the whole vibe. It's, like, it's uneasy. Right. And so it has a lot of cool, like, realistic sim elements where you have to put on the parking brake. You have to turn the key to turn the car ignition. Um, It has some really cool UI features where you can kind of track what's going on and the status of your car and the world map and things like that on your physical um ui of the car dashboard and then one of my favorite features is like the rear view mirrors actually display the rear view of the car and so there's some cool like realistic simulation elements that really just enhance the immersion of the experience and i had a blast with it i think i actually preferred this demo better than the one i played at pax east because i got to play on they had a like big tv set aside for their media appointments and public folks also could play on that if they if they waited for it but um super fun to play on a giant screen because i was able to really see everything in front of me really see the menus and things and 
get to delve into the narrative a little bit more, and I chose to go in a completely different direction mm. than I did at our PAX East demo, and I was able to find these power sources. And then I encountered the enemies at the very end of my demo. The sky turned red. They picked up my car. They threw it. Like, oh, I was wow. flying. Like, all this happened that, like, there's so many, like, cool emergent moments that happen in this game. And so everyone I've talked to that's played it has a slightly different experience about what happened, how they got there, what they were doing, that sort of thing. And I think that's really, really cool. And mm -hmm. so I'm super excited for this one. I think it's a thousand percent a game that everybody should be keeping an eye on if you enjoy survival elements in games if you enjoy roguelike games if you enjoy driving if you enjoy like weird twisted supernatural pacific northwesty type stuff yeah. like alan wake or twin peaks or that sort of thing like i think this game hits on all those notes in a really fantastic way and it's cool to see a studio like ironwood who this is their debut project but mm -hmm. they're um a really talented group of veteran devs who previously members of the team worked on games like um I believe I I say I'm I believe but I know members of the team worked at Sucker Punch so I think they worked on Ghost of Tsushima or Infamous or mm -hmm. like that era of games or maybe yeah. even earlier than that but point being a lot of talent at that studio and it's really dope to see this game shaping up in a big way currently slated for 2024 Next up let's talk about Q Games we saw two of the Pixel Junk games which I was super excited to see them at PAX Yeah um I haven't seen them previously I think the PR person that we spoke with mentioned that this was the first time at least during his time with the company that they've come to PAX in recent yeah. years um but I'm a huge fan of Pixel Junk Eden back on the PS3 played it in middle school mm -hmm. I believe so we got the chance to play Pixel Junk Eden 2 as well as Pixel Junk Scrappers Deluxe which Pixel Junk Scrappers Deluxe is out now and Pixel Junk Eden 2 is coming out pretty soon nice um I don't think they've officially announced the date so but look forward to that pretty soon in the next bit. Um, but let's chat about these games. You had never played either any Pixel Junk game. Yes, so that's what correct. did you think of the. Yeah, let's start with Eden 2. I would like both of them. Eden 2 was great. Um, it was too bad that we couldn't hear the music because the dev was telling us all about we how. We could a little bit, but it wasn't like. This is definitely a game where you want like your soundbar full, full yeah. blast or you want headphones. Um, it's a very meditative action platformer as you're moving through spaces. If you've never played it, think of games like Sound Shapes or um, I think that's the most recent example I would say is something as far as that like focuses on music and sound and aesthetic and is more about like the vibe than the like this is crazy challenging right. kind of thing. But the gameplay does evolve over time and it is a lot of fun and we got to play it in co-op. Yeah, cool. it was great. I really appreciated the, the platforming. It was just a really unique kind of take on it to be like this like microorganism floating through the garden yeah. and like trying to create have the plants grow so that you could use them to platform off of um the like floatiness of the Yeah, the art style the kind of looks cool. like if you were going to look at like bacteria through a microscope yeah. and the like shapes and colors that would be moving around, like that's this game yeah. kind of in a nutshell. Um, the controls felt like really fun. Yeah. Um, you're just kind of like shooting yourself around this space. Nice trying fluid to, motion and just really trying really, to really get cool. somewhere off screen, but like try not to fall off screen. Because you could, um, like, kind of catapult yourself and then fall, but as long as you landed land on safely, something. you could yeah. do it. But, and um, there was some fun, like, safeguards. I would say it's pretty, it feels pretty approachable. Yeah. So I think this is an all-ages one. Yeah. But I would definitely say families could play together or, 
you know, I think would just be as entertaining solo as well. Yeah, this game was just um, all about the vibes. Yeah, I think for me, this is one where I want to, like, lock in. I want to play it together, too, but I also want to just, like, lock in a noise-canceling headphone and a quiet room and just, like, yeah. maybe turn on our hue lights and, like, just, like, chill out. Just Definitely. really enjoy the game. So this was super fun. And then Pixel Junk Scrappers Deluxe, which is out now. I had never played the Pixel Junk Scrappers games, but this is a really fun um, action arcade beat-em-up beat style yeah. game. Um, where, where you're, you're these like robot trash. characters, you're collecting cr- trash, garbage truck. you're throwing it into a garbage truck and then money. you're fighting enemies and that's how you're progressing yeah. through levels. There's boss fights. Um, but the enemies are also robots. So like when you kill them, you get to collect them as trash, put right. them in your truck. And specifically I loved the throwing mechanic cause you yeah, could throw cool. the trash and then the more you get more points, the more um, yeah. trash you collect. You can also respawn from the truck using the points that you got from the trash you collect. So the more trash you collect, yeah. the more respawns you get. But you can't respawn during, you can't gain more respawns during the boss right. fight, which I thought was cool. Yeah, that you totally. have to like set yourself up for success. We also played that, that mode um, that was more of like a party mode where who can throw the most trash in the least amount of time. Yeah, and there that was really that fun. Like, more points. It was really fun. And the, the dev highlighted, won, yeah, which I never. <laughs> oh yeah you did congratulations yeah. <laughs> well deserved um you even beat the dev who was playing with us on that round yeah. which is cool i mean he um, probably like went easy on us because i never know you never know because like i've seen it go both ways so yeah. i would take the win is all i'm saying Fair but <laughs> that said um the dev pointed out something really cool with this one too that i thought was neat of the fact of um you don't have to be good at combat to feel like you're contributing right. with the trash aspect because um, you can he just said go pick up he had a mother stop by with her kids to play the game and she was like oh i don't typically play the game so don't worry about me and he was like you should try it and so she tried it and she really enjoyed it and she liked that she was able to just kind of pick up trash in the background while her kids went to town on these robots and like yeah it was very cooperative and family driven and just a really nice time so that's awesome enjoyed that one a heck a heck of a lot heck of a lot was the word phrase i was looking for um but yes once again out now q games highly highly recommend it um next up we finished the or no this is our second to last game of the day we played Framemakers, which is developed by team fray and mclead gaming um this was jacob mccourt's game of the show Mm -hmm. that we highlighted in our crossplay conversations episode that claire was a guest on by the way i didn't point that out at the top of the show but you were there you were on it yes i was we um, had lots of guests and it guests. was really really fun um, well you had lots of guests and i was yes also there. and you were one of them <laughs> and it was fantastic and we chatted about lots of different games um but this game is dope it is smash brothers but indie games featuring amazing characters like octodad and octodad the the main character from slay the spire and they're adding more and more characters to the roster yeah in the assist trophies also there were every more, indie you could yeah. think of um from Rogue Legacy, Chicory, um, uh, 8-Bit Runner, like just so many cool yeah. little references and Easter eggs to the games. And I think the main thing to take away from um, Frame Makers is that it plays incredibly well. Yeah, it feels it, it really feels good really on a technical good. level. It looks really good. Um, the dev team, we spoke with Max, who's the lead game designer on the project, and he and a lot of the team were heavily involved in the um, browser-based flash mod scene of S- Smash Brothers. And so that's kind of where they got their start tinkering in game dev. And so that has culminated in Framemakers. And 
just such a such a fun game just yeah absolutely really can't say enough good things about it it's 20 bucks right now early access highly recommend folks check it out absolutely if you like smash and want more smash this is more smash in the best way it's yes. really good it really is good sorry i said a lot of things do you have any additional i do things? not it was great if you want to see us give max and the team at team fray the game of the show trophy from crossplay you should go check out our twitter account and watch that video because it's very wholesome and very good vibes which we definitely endorse on the lukewarm games podcast all right closing out the day we had survivor mercs which we played um this game is now available in early access i got a code for it it was developed by Wolper Tinger Games, which you have Im- Google Image Search. <laughs> I recommend everyone Google Image Search. It is a rabbit with wings. With owl wings and antlers. And antlers. It's a, it's a jackalope with cool. owl wings. Okay. I, I, knew, cool. I knew that that's what that was, and I just wanted to you show you. You just wanted you. to confirm? Okay. <laughs> no, I wanted to show you. I knew oh, what okay. it was. <laughs> okay. um, but yeah, this one was cool. Um, at a base pitch, it's I described it as violent Pikmin. Okay. meets vampire survivors yes so it's a wave-based action game where you're moving your characters around but you're recruiting um different little military characters that join your squad and each have different perks and abilities and then you're moving through the environment at wave-based combat like vampire survivors but i think the the picking up different squad members and them each having different attributes and skills kind of gives me that pikmin vibe where you're yeah. ordering people to do stuff and running around um, but this was a lot of fun, and I ended up playing it the other night once I got the early access code because I enjoyed the gameplay that much. So oh, nice. it was fun to jump back into it, and I'm I'm definitely going to be playing more, but highly recommend folks check this one out. If you're like me and you just love a good wave-based combat game these days to play while you're listening to a podcast or something, like, this game's really fun. Yeah. Awesome. Heck yeah. Claire, tell me about your game of the show. Um, yeah, I'm not Is really... Is it your game of the show? Or I'm not are really a, a, a ranked list a person, ranker? as you know okay, of, of fair me. enough, fair enough. But a game that I really, really did like was I Doesn't Exist mm-hmm. by LUAL Games. And published by Dread XP, yes. I believe. Yep. Um, this was one I was excited to check out before the show because we got the, you know, email and it said it was a, a modern text adventure um, that uses more updated AI uh, no, not like that, <laughs> according to the, the, their press. Um, it uses, um, like, interpretive AI when you're typing in your text commands that's able to respond to a variety of commands in a more organic way as a uh, compared to older text adventures where it, like, needs you to type something really specific in order for it to work. Um, so the, the setup of this game is that it is a text-based adventure, um, and when the demo starts, you are playing as this player character who is exploring the world and trying to use the surroundings to solve puzzles. And there's a little bit of like an unsettling air of mystery here, like that time has forgotten this place and so has everybody else. But like there's something else going on here that you can't quite put your finger on. But oh well, um, so you're solving the puzzle. The It, it has a very pretty pixel art um very cool aesthetic and um the the puzzles were just really great i really enjoyed the puzzle solving um i enjoyed the the mechanics of being able to type different commands into the text and it was it was very intuitive and it was able to pick up on what you were getting at really easily um and it was just like a really great vibe 
But the thing that really sold me on the demo is what happens after you solve the second puzzle and everything just kind of changes. And I don't really want to spoil it um, too much because I think it's a really fantastic moment. Um, but what happens is that the game genre sort of breaks down and the game starts to fight back a little bit and it gets very existential and very meta and it becomes this like commentary on like the nature of control and um like kind of toy story-esque what happens to video games when we're not playing them sort of question Hmm. okay um and the the like game tries to wrestle control from the player character and you're in the middle and you have to like decide what to do Mm -hmm. um but you're also like being told what to do and then the game is controlling you. Um, there's like a moment where the genre flips and you're doing to- something totally different and it's like really creepy. Whoa. Um, and like the themes start to bleed through again and then it, it goes back to the way it was before. Um, there's also a moment where you are having a full-blown conversation with the game's AI um, and you are like actually like asking questions and, and that's where the game gets its title because if you type something in that the um that the computer does not recognize it says that thing doesn't exist so like the the fact that it is a commentary on like identity and so that's where the the title the title comes, comes, comes from like Got i okay. doesn't exist that's really and interesting it's it's really cool i can't wait to play the full game i yep. i think there might be a demo out Yep, just confirmed that there's a Steam demo available for this one. So I, I'm going to check this one out you for should, myself, yeah. too, because I, I didn't get a chance to play it at the booth because during our appointment, while you were playing this, I was playing the next game, which I'll talk yeah. about. But I'm really stoked that this resonated with you as much as it, it did. Because when I read the pitch, I was like, this sounds like it could be really up your alley. But a text-based adventure is such a, like, it's really interesting, but sometimes it doesn't pay off. Hit you or know, miss, it's right? a hit or miss yeah. thing, but like I'm I glad to see is, that they're doing really this unique things with it. This is definitely a hit and I know this because I sat at the computer and we got there right off the bat, so there weren't a lot of people when we first got there. Mm-hmm. But I sat at the computer and I played until you came over and were like, Hey, you should probably stop and I was like, Oh, how long have I been playing? And you yeah. were like, you've been playing for almost 40 minutes. Yeah, because I, I like, played... Oh, really? <laughs> so the game I was playing, I played Sucker for Love, A Date to Die For, which also has a demo available, also another um, Dread XP published game. I played that for about 25 or 30. So we both played like meaty Long demos, demos. Yeah. Um, and like finished the demos for both of our games. But Oh, I didn't. I could have kept going. Oh, really? Yeah. Mine, mine was like, thanks for playing, which I will say... That's kind of an interesting thing with PAX demos, how they differ of like some stations are like, you can just play forever. And then they'll ask you to like, hey, can you move on? Or the game will be like, you finished the demo. Thank you for playing. Wish list, please. Or it's a timer. Or it's a timer. And it doesn't matter how like, far you get. It doesn't matter how far you get, but you can spend it however, that 15 minutes, however you want. Yeah. So it's always interesting, like how that length varies and like how that kind of affects like how much of the game you get to see right. and what you end up playing. So I played, like I said, A Sucker for Love. Um, a date to die for. I'm sorry. I keep adding a, but it's just sucker for love. Date, date to, to die, die for. for. Um, it's developed by Akabaka, and once again published, published by, Dread by Dread XP. Um, I had a blast with this game by the end, but it was kind of a slow burn. Uh-huh. So it starts out as kind of a visual novel narrative experience, and then towards the second half of the game, it is a first person narrative 
adventure point and click adventure style game. Mm-hmm. So you are in this house and your character ends up having to use this spell book to find ingredients and follow steps to perform like seance style rituals. Ooh. And one of the coolest mechanics in the game is that after you've collected all the ingredients, you're wandering this house trying to find all these things to be able to speak to this spirit and solve this this puzzle. Um, you read from your spell book and you move your mouse cursor across the text as your character is verbally reciting the text. And it's just a little detail that's yeah. I've never seen done in a game, but I that's thought it was really, really interesting. And you kind of had to like set up the rituals of like, okay, it says I have to change the candle color. So now I need to find this um, dead, dead object in the environment mm-hmm. or something. I need to find this piece of paper or something and solve the puzzle that way. And I found that part of the, the gameplay really, really interesting. The first part of the game was this... Um, choice lightly choice based visual novel experience but once i got into that first person puzzle solving adventure style aspect of the game i thought it was really really interesting and i was curious to see where the where the demo goes and it has you know you have the options to kind of romance characters that you're talking to lots of choice based mm-hmm. dialogue and different options and just kind of a visual aesthetic of like reminded me a lot of um stray gods that i recently reviewed in terms mm. of this like offbeat kind of punk mythical aesthetic similar to like a Hades or a boyfriend dungeon just in terms of trying to be like it's edgy but it earns it you know what I mean it's like edgy and kind of cool you know trying to be cool but it it was a very cool experience it was a very interesting experience there by the end and I was very intrigued once I had finished my demo right on yeah continuing right along we played Cobalt Core from Rat or a Rocket Rat Games um, this was a really great strategy game as well that I enjoyed. Um, a little different than Starvaders, which I discussed. This game was really focused on space combat. I mm-hmm. kind of describe it as like a Top Gun in space because you have these cool like fighter jet ships yeah. that you're you're moving around. And this game played with verticality in a way that I thought was really interesting, where each turn you had X number of moves to maneuver your ship left to right or up or down in the space but Mm -hmm. also to um, use different abilities to either shield yourself or attack different enemies you had um, any range of of different attacks and I thought it was really clever and I liked how it used the plane of existence in a way that felt unique and separated itself and yeah I think in terms of the art style, I really enjoyed the style and vibe of the game. And right. it, it was really, really cool. And the, and once the again, cute animal critters. Yeah, also. and once again, super fluid, super efficient yeah. combat once you got going that just was a blast to, to yeah. play through. So I really enjoyed that. Too. Yeah. So that was Cobalt Core. I like the name too, Cobalt yeah, Core. Yeah, it's a cool it's, name. It's a cool name. Um, next up, I honestly forgot we played this game, not because it wasn't good, but we just played so, so many, many games. games. Um, we played Foam Stars. From Square Enix, so for folks that aren't familiar with this one, this is Foamstar's take, Foamstar's is Square Enix's take on Splatoon. Yeah. You are shooting bubble bath foam everywhere, running around. There's some stylized characters that each have unique weapons and abilities, and it's a competitive, I believe it's 4v4 is what we played. So we went over there with our whole entourage crew which was very fun and we got split up and played on some different teams and 
I was pleasantly surprised. This game looked pretty unremarkable yeah. upon its announcement. I was like, oh, that seems like a copy and paste of Splatoon. I like Splatoon, but I think the gameplay of this one is very fun. The style was cool. I thought it played well. I thought the gunplay was fun, and I tried a variety of characters just to get a sense of the ranged attacks and the shotgun abilities and more of, like, the assault classes, and I thought... The game had a fun style that, depending on where it releases, I'm really hoping for a PS Plus or Game Pass release for this one, because personally it doesn't feel like one I would want to drop $60 on, but it does feel like if I could get in for free, or it's a free-to-play title, right. it would be one that I would jump in for a weekend or two with friends. What did, what did you think? Yeah. Because you played too. I definitely agree with that. Um, I thought that the, the, the take on the genre was interesting in the sense of, like, you're not necessarily trying to cover all of the map. It's more about the combat itself and taking out characters and accomplishing whatever the goal was. Um, I didn't particularly gel with the combat itself. Um, it just didn't feel very fluid or rewarding to me. Fair enough. Um, it felt like it didn't really hit and I felt like I was getting fucking wrecked. <laughs> the other team, I think, was very well equipped. And I think our team had a bit harder of a time. Um, I agree. I, I will say the one knock on the game that I think made it even harder was that the characters weren't clearly labeled what their class was. Yeah. And so it was hard to know. Like, I had to ask one of the PR folks working the booth, like, if I want to play a ranged character, who should I play as? And he was like, oh, you should play as this person or this person. But it's like, that's the game doesn't clearly tell me right. that. So it's one of those things where, like, I think you might have enjoyed it more had you gotten to, like, really I pick your character. did. Um, and I think that the actual, like diversity of what you can accomplish with those character classes was also kind of underdeveloped because sure. I played as a character that they said was the melee character oh. and then I played as a character that they said was the shooty shoot character and they both had the same base attack. Yeah. And it there didn't wasn't matter. A, I tried like I the shotgun there character. There wasn't any melee. Like, I chose the melee character. Like there wasn't it was just I just don't think it's special. a melee game. You no. know what I mean? I don't think the design of the game has... The only you're difference like, was their special attack. Because unlike Splatoon, the point isn't to cover the map in foam. It's to get kills, at least the particular mode we were playing. Right. So I wonder if there's some variety to be seen there. I will say it was fun to um, cover enemies in foam or get covered in foam and then roll around in foam or the use the foam to the traverse. Like that... That but was fun. There's something here, I guess. And I'm I'm not trying to be, like, the biggest Foam Stars fan. I think it, it was pretty fine. Yeah. But I think I just had such low expectations yeah, for the game that enough. after playing it, I was like, this was pretty good. This was this was yeah, solid. Like, this enough. worked. This was fun. I could see myself maybe tr playing it upon release, which is way more than I expected fair after enough. it was announced. So. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about a game, though, that I have no doubt I will absolutely adore. And listeners, I think you will, too. This is Thank Goodness You're Here, developed by Cole Supper. So this is the team behind Untitled Goose Game. Yeah. Oh, my God. I <laughs> loved this game. Um, this was Joseph's game of the show for crossplay, um, but had an absolute blast with this one. For folks that have no idea what it is, you play as your character set in a quaint little British town and you are tasked with helping your f friends and neighbors with various tasks. 
the art style is very like Cartoon Network-esque, yeah. zany, ridiculous, and the humor, I think, matches that with the British twist. Yeah, and, it's, it's very British. Um, Bit at British, one po- isn't it? Like, let me, let me set up some scenarios. Beautiful, great accent, <laughs> I think. Great accent, great game. Um, but it's, um, for, for instance, you turn into a ham at one point and jump into an oven and get baked into a pie. You, um, like, just wacky, weird things like that you happen all the time. turn into a ham. A ham falls on you and you have to, the only well, way like, you can get it into it the oven like, yeah, is yeah. to run. Right. <laughs> it's very wacky. It's super weird. I love it. Um, it was really funny. If you enjoyed Untitled Goose Game to any level, yeah. this is totally up your alley. If you Definitely. love like Cartoon Network, if you love British humor, if you love like weird, wild indie titles, 100% recommend yeah. this one from Definitely. Cold Supper. This is Thank Goodness You're Here. Um, next up, also at the Panic booth, we got hands-on with a Playdate yeah. for the first time. That was really Cute fun. little yellow handheld with the crank. That was the talk of the town when it came out. Um, this was my first time playing with one. And yeah. I believe yours as well. Um, yeah. Delightful little handheld. Really enjoyed it. The screen looks great. The crank was a lot of fun. We got to go hands-on with Lucas Pope's new game coming out for the Playdate exclusively, Mars After Midnight. For those that aren't familiar, Lucas Pope developed the Return of the Obra Dinn, as well as Papers, Please. So really highly anticipated game for me, so I was excited to check it out. So essentially the setup for the game, and I guess for any folks that aren't familiar with the Playdate, there are... A slew of games released in seasons. That's kind of how they do it because these are more kind of micro experiences, like really smaller titles for this bite-sized system. And the premise of Mars After Midnight is that you are running a bakery on Mars. And so you're solving puzzles, you're opening up your shop, you're cleaning, you're placing your pie on your, your trays and you're serving guests and folks and different things happen. And it's wacky and weird it's and kind of spooky, yeah. but intriguing and cool and yeah it was super dope i i enjoyed it a lot and i i was never on the fence about buying a play date but when i played this and messed around with some of the other games i was like this is a really cool piece of little hardware yeah. and they're doing some if you like off the wall different indie things like this machine is like a pretty pretty cool thing yeah what did, what did you think um yeah i definitely agree i think that the it's doing something different Mars After Midnight was definitely very wacky and interesting. I also got to play a joke worth 99 cents Okay. Um, on the play date. I didn't play it for very long because I just could not get the hang of it, but it did have you use the crank in a really interesting sort of way um, where you were actively trying to bounce the little character on the crank and keep him from falling down while also simultaneously trying to read these jokes, um, which is why I didn't get very far because I could not multitask like that. Um, but yeah, it was really interesting to see what these different developers are doing with the different sort of hardware setup. Yeah, it was cool. And I, I think I just appreciate people taking chances on unique things and I enjoy handhelds and this just gives me the vibe of like, I want to bring it home. I want to sit down in my chair by the rain and have a cup of coffee and just like mess around with some weird different playdate games. Yeah. So absolutely, highly recommend if you're interested, folks. Ch- yeah. Check it out because I, I think it's worth worth giving a go. Um, next up, you played another game at the Panic Booth. Time I did. flies. You I did. Show about that one real quick. Um, this was really intriguing. So it's it's like a line art art style, mm-hmm. black and white. Um, and you play as a fly, 
and you have a certain number of seconds to live and then you die. And it's it's very interesting commentary on um, like what you do with the time that you have, the limited time that you have. Um, and it really highlights how limited that time is because you only have a matter of seconds. Um, and it's also interesting because at the start of each level, each time that you die and try again, um, it has you choose which part of the world this is taking place in. And the length of time that you have to be alive depends on what you choose. And it corresponds to the human lifespans in those places. So if you are choosing a place that has a really short human lifespan, comparatively speaking, then you have a short lifespan as a fly. Longer human lifespan, longer lifespan as a fly. So it like really highlights that element of our human society. Um, but then when you're playing as a fly, you have your certain number of seconds. It seems that they're between like 60 and 75, most of, most okay. of the locations I tried. Um, some of them were a little bit shorter than 60 seconds. Um, but yeah, I think the longest was 74 and you have to, you have a checklist of things you're trying to accomplish and it's like, learn to play an instrument, get drinks with your friends, um, become a star or whatever. It's really vague. Um, mm -hmm. you have to figure out, so you're in this, this house, you have to figure out how to accomplish those things with what's around you. Um, and interaction, interacting with the objects. You can die if you get stuck in like the flypaper, for example, or you fall into the fall into the alcoholic beverage um and drown but basically you're trying to check off as many things as you can and explore as much as you can before you die and i'm really curious to know if it is in fact possible to complete all the things because i think that's what the game is trying to get you to do but i was never able to complete more than three or four in a run um so i wonder if there's like a speed run element as you play the game more and i'm also curious if there are more areas or if this is it you've got to imagine that there are more areas um yeah, I'm not sure. I didn't get to go hands-on with this one, but I watched a couple of people play it, and it looks really interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. I highly recommend it um, by Playables, and um, yeah, you can go wish list it on Steam. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. Um, you played another game called Everdream Valley. Which is, which out, is now. out now. Yeah. Developed by Moon Eaters. Tell this, me about that one. This is another Stardew Valley-like Story of Seasons-like farming sim game. Um, I, I thought it was very cute. I, uh, appreciated how you can, like, pretty much move any of the structures on the, the farm. Um, and you're also, you're on your grandparents' farm and you are helping them. It's not like the, the Stardew Story of Seasons setup where it's, like, your grandparent or your parent is not alive anymore and now you are returning their decrepit farm to its former glory. It's like, no, they're, they're still there. They're there, too. You get to talk to them and you know, collaborate with them and they'll give you hints. And so that, that aspect of it is really wholesome. Cool. It's definitely way more about the farm than it is about, like, there's not really like indoor customization from what I can tell. Um, there weren't a lot of other NPCs. I don't know if there are elsewhere or later on in the game. Um, but that, that element of like really being able to make it look exactly the way you want it and use the land exactly the way you want it seemed pretty cool. Nice. Um, it kind of reminded me a little bit in that sense of Wild Menders from PAX East. Mm, yeah. Um, but without the other things that Wild Menders had. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed it. That's awesome. Um, next up we had... Friend of the show, Mike Toundra, is doing PR on this one with Vicarious PR. We played Mirthwood, developed by Bad Ridge Games. Really, really cool indie game um, developed by two wonderful folks who we got to meet. 
Um, this is a mashup between kind of Stardew Valley and Fable gameplay yeah. mechanics. So there's some crafting, some farm sim management, but also combat, romance, dialogue-based. There's a morality system. Morality system. Exploration, yeah. foraging. Pretty cool. What, yeah. do you, what did you think of this one? Oh, I loved it. This yeah. is one of my favorites. Um, I really especially loved the conversation dynamics and getting to talk with the NPCs. It just, it was pretty involved mm -hmm. and you had to like get to know each character to figure out what sort of conversation tactics were going to work best with them. For sure. Um, and it was just kind of wacky and zany um, in the sense of like you could pick up a pumpkin and put it on your head <laughs> Yeah. Um, and walk around with a pumpkin on your head. Um, and that's where the like, fable energy right, came in yeah. for me, kind of the wacky, like whimsy of it. The the character interactions were pretty funny too. Yeah. The, the things that you could say to people were, seemed pretty varied. Um, it seems like, you know, it's still early in development and there's things that they're going to add like new areas and whatnot, new mechanics. Um, but it seems like it has like a lot of potential to be really, really fun and something that I would put a lot of time into. Awesome. Yeah, highly recommend folks go ahead and wishlist Mirthwood. Um, next up, we just have a couple more. I know we've like yeah. rattled <laughs> off a million games, but if you're Three sticking with, the, with us this far, you want to hear these indies. You want to wishlist. Yes. You want to support all these folks because they deserve it. Um, and it's also worth noting that this is just in the order we played them. This is in no way no, quality we, because yes. these last few, we got some bangers. I do think so. that that was clear because we did say that we hadn't reached the end of day yes. one earlier. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I just wanted to reiterate because we're now approaching hour two right. of this podcast. Day three had some surprise bangers. Yeah, day three we had some surprise bangers. We both weren't planning on playing games yeah. on day three. So this one I think was... Yeah, so I finished off the day with Bati Biteland Overclocked. Or day four, I mean. Which, yeah, well, this was day this three. This is day three, yeah, and then we didn't it, plan it, to play games on day four is what I meant to say. At this point, anyway, it's irrelevant when Body we played it. But yes. Body Biteland, um, developed by Purple Ray Studios. This one's out now. Um, this is an absolutely dope 3D platformer. It's Astrobot. It's fun. Yeah, it looks it's really cool. Cute. You can play it in co-op. It has the vibes and style of an Astrobot. If you've been looking for more 3D platformers, I thought this one played incredibly well. It was whimsical. The art was cool. The music was a lot of fun. Um, I played with Dante from Rusty Rupees in co-op. Had a blast playing it together. Really enjoyed it. Highly, nice. highly recommend. Awesome. Um, then, final day of the show, we played another two Mike Toundro recommended joints. Because yes. we, we trust... And Mike Tandro, we trust, is what we say here on the pod. Um, we played Clamman 2 Headliner, developed by Side Side by Games, or I'm sorry, Side by Interactive. Yeah. There is a demo available now, and I absolutely adored this yes, game. Yes, me too. This shot One up my into my top five of the weekend. Yeah. Um, for folks that aren't familiar, this is a narrative-based adventure game where you play as the character Clamman in this world of anthropomorphic sea creatures. And you work in an office building, very major office space vibes happening yes. in this game. Um, but you talk to different characters and the story setup is that you're called to your boss's office, who is also your best friend. And you end up going on this shenanigan ensuing um, investigation to find out what's happening in the basement of your office building. And it turns out there's a comedy club being run by a shark and a couple other sea creatures. And... Um, it's also worth noting that the dialogue in the game uses dice rolls. So right. there's kind of a, a CRPG element to it where 
you don't quite know what's going to happen. Will you have enough dice rolls to persuade someone or make the joke or land the thing? And the game enhances the experience with really fun character classes. Mine was um, confidently stupid. <laughs> so it, it, they have some fun with the writing that is very funny, very whimsical, very clever. And so my playthrough culminated into um, Clam Man, my character, getting to headline at this comedy club. He's yeah. going to do a stand-up routine. And so now the next section of the game is going to be about him developing his set. And right. What he's going to make jokes about. So just like weird, wild, unpredictable, had a blast with it. What did you think of this one? Yeah, I loved it. Um, I, I really appreciate the the game's mechanics of like you have to go on quests. Like, and, and this is going to be beyond the demo that we played. But you have to go on quests to um, help people and get into wacky misadventures that will then inform your stand-up. So you're, like, going right. on quests for jokes and you get rewarded with material, um, which I think is is great. I appreciated how, you know, sometimes I feel like games or, you know, fiction in general can try too hard with the comedy and then it doesn't just hit. But the comedy hit. Like, this was funny. I was yeah, laughing out definitely. loud. Um, there were some wild situations. It was very... Um, deadpan which i appreciated and maybe that's that just because like i one chose one of the dialogue options yeah, I to chose be deadpan which i thought um, was hilarious but yeah and you can totally craft it to, to be the style of comedy that you like the most too so you can pick the options that most suit your own interests um and i just i really thought that the um the writing was really good too yeah agreed uh, like and it was there is so a lot funny, of writing genuinely funny yeah. and Martin, the main developer on the game that we spoke to, lovely person, really nice, and also great sense of humor. Yeah. And it's clearly reflected in the game, which is really dope. Yeah. Heck yeah. Love Clam Man. Go play Clam Man 2 Headliner. Yes. And the, deve the, the demo, demo is called Open, um, Mic. Open Mic, is like yeah. the prologue demo. And that's that what play. we we played, I'm pretty yep. sure, based on the pictures. And he just added a bunch of updates and things based on feedback from PAX, so it's oh, like awesome. the best version I want to check that to out. Play. Yeah, I want to play it again now, yeah. too, and just kind of try different stuff. And then the last game we played was a wonderful game called Space Boat, which also has a demo available. It's developed by um, Recombobulator Games. Sorry, I had to kind of sound <laughs> or not, but cool name. Um, this game was really, really cool. Um, the lead developer of this project, his name is Luis. He is an ex-EA developer that worked on Mass Effect 3. And hearing a little bit about his story was really cool because then Space Boat is an action RPG um, where you're in space and all the characters are Muppets. And it's wacky and yeah. wild and weird and you solve puzzles and you talk to different characters. And this one was really cool and really fun. We didn't get to play a ton of it, um, but the demo is available on all platforms. So I'd love to check out more of it. But it just had a lot of character, a lot of heart and was a lot of fun. And I enjoy a good dialogue-based adventure game set in space and yeah. this this had that energy and i think it had the sauce for me nice all right questions with claire should we close it out pax west was a blast yeah it was we played some amazing games so many games um but yeah reminder please go wishlist the ones yes. that sounded interesting to you check out their demos check out their trailers support them really good stuff yeah all right definitely with that said, though, this this has been a long pod. Let's wrap it up. Claire, what's our questions with Claire for this week? This week's question, which game from PAX would you play right now if you could? And that could be, you know, if you have, maybe it's a game that's out now or has a demo 
but you just don't have time because we, you know, are both kind There's of There's a lot of games, a lot totally of work to do. Time. What, yeah. Or maybe this is a game that's not out yet early in development, and if it was out now, you'd be all up in that. So what is a <laughs> game that you would play now if none of that was a factor? I think for me, I have two. Mm-hmm. I would throw out Another Crab's Treasure because yeah. I think that's one that I'll enjoy more the more time I have with the game because I think I'll kind of get better at the combat. I'll learn the intricacies of the game and I'll just get really into it. So that's one for me. And then the other one would be Knight versus Giant, the Broken Excalibur, yeah. because I just had such a blast. And that that of all the games I played has been the one that I like can't stop thinking about. Like I think about the combat. I think about the art. I think about what if I tried another build. I'm going to definitely go back and play the demo more, but I would love to have the full game at my fingertips just because I had so much fun with it. But how about for you? Yeah, definitely. There are, I mean, all of the games that I talked about, I would absolutely love to play. Um, And, you know, not based on which ones I liked the most or was most hyped about. Sure. But right now, I don't have a lot of time. Starfield is actively consuming my life with what time that I do have, my mental energy is very low. I'm recovering from (laughs) some sort of sickness. I'm very busy with work. So I would love to play something that is just light and fun and not super (laughs) intense. Sure. Or, um, like, super controller heavy. Like, my, my reflexes are not great right now. So I would love to play Beastie Bowl. Because it's just good vibes. Love it. And it's adorable. I would love to play Button City Soccer Days for the same reason. And I would definitely jump into Clam Man 2 Headliner right now if I could. Because all of them are just, they're uplifting and they are positive and fun. And I just want some fun. That's amazing. Yeah. All right. I love all those picks. With that said, listeners, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Some quick housekeeping items for you. Please subscribe to our show on your podcast platform of choice. We are now officially on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and more. If you enjoy our podcast, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash lukewarmgames for exclusive podcasts and more. You can go ahead and follow at lukewarmgames on Twitter to get the latest updates on our show. And with that, have a fantastic week. Cheers and happy gaming. <laughs>